You're listening to the Get Your Gut Together with Dr. Ariola podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Carolina Ariola. I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor with a telemedicine practice who specializes in all things gut health. I created this podcast to provide listeners like you with the information needed to understand how the gut works, how it affects nearly every aspect of your health, and of course, to give you the basics on how you can start improving your gut health today. I'm committed to empowering my listeners and providing you all with the information and the tools you may need to advocate for yourselves, get your gut together, and achieve optimal health. Now let's get the show started. The information provided on this show is not medical advice and is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant to diagnose or treat any disease or condition. Please consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any of the information provided into your personal care. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Get Your Gut Together with Dr. Ariola podcast. Today, I want to talk about a digestive health condition that many people have dealt with or are currently dealing with and might not even know it and that is SIBO. SIBO stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, and as stated in the name, it's referring to an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. SIBO is actually quite prevalent in the general population and has been showing up more and more in my practice recently, which is partially why I decided to talk about it today. The exact prevalence is difficult to estimate because it's actually not commonly tested for, and it's often overlooked as a diagnosis, especially in people diagnosed with IBS. Some suggest that 15% of the general population may have SIBO, while others suggest that that number may be as high as 80% in certain populations, such as those with IBS or irritable bowel syndrome or even celiac disease. This is actually another reason why I want to put this information out there. Most people are not aware of what SIBO is, what the signs and symptoms are, and what puts you at an increased risk for developing SIBO. So they don't know to ask for testing to help rule it out, which could save a lot of headache for those of you with stubborn IBS-type symptoms. Many people with SIBO are misdiagnosed as just having IBS and are never given appropriate treatment options, which can make the problem worse. In today's show, we're going to talk about what exactly SIBO is, discuss if it's actually a true infection, we'll also talk about what puts a person at a greater risk for developing SIBO, the symptoms associated with it, different treatment options, and also how to prevent a SIBO relapse if you've already dealt with this. Let's get right into it. SIBO, or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, is a condition in which there is an abnormal increase in the number and or type of bacteria in the small intestine. But these bacteria are not pathogenic or disease-causing. So we're not talking about things like salmonella or cholera. These bacteria are normal inhabitants of your gut microbiome. They're just not at the levels that they should be. You see, normally, the small intestine has a relatively low number of bacteria compared to the large intestine, or the colon. But in SIBO, bacteria from the large intestine migrate into the small intestine and begin to colonize it. These bacteria then ferment starches and fibers that you eat into gases that can cause damage to the small intestine. It can also cause many symptoms that overlap with IBS, such as gas, belching, bloating, 
abdominal pain, diarrhea, and constipation. These symptoms can be chronic and persistent and can have a significant impact on a person's quality of life. So what causes this to happen? Now, this isn't always super clear and can vary from person to person, which is why it can be difficult to identify without proper testing. Now, what I've seen and learned is that there are four major categories of underlying causes for SIBO. Among these four categories, there's only one underlying issue that seems to be a common denominator among each type of SIBO, and that is having a problem with gut motility. Gut motility refers to the movement of food, fluids, and waste material through the digestive system, which is regulated by both nerve and muscle activity in the digestive tract. So when a person has impaired or slowed gut motility, this can lead to a buildup of bacteria in the small intestine. Other underlying causes of SIBO include having impaired digestion, which can be caused by not having enough stomach acid or digestive enzymes, or even being in a chronic state of stress. Another cause is impaired flow of the intestines caused by endometriosis or adhesions that develop after having any sort of abdominal surgery. And lastly, we have taking certain medications as an underlying cause to SIBO. Use of certain medications like opiates or narcotics, which are really strong painkillers given in the hospital, can cause gut issues like SIBO. Likewise, use of antibiotics and acid-reducing medications like PPIs can disrupt the balance of the bacteria in the gut and or affect motility, which can contribute to the development of SIBO. For example, when a person takes antibiotics, it kills off both the harmful bacteria and the beneficial bacteria that inhabit the gut. When the good bacteria get killed off, it's easier for the whole system to get thrown off balance making a person more susceptible to a condition like SIBO. Similarly, when a person has taken acid-reducing medications like omeprazole for a long period of time, they may be dealing with low stomach acid. This then can affect a person's digestion, slowing down the process and increasing the risk for SIBO. SIBO can also be associated with a number of underlying conditions, such as leaky gut, celiac disease, nutrient deficiencies, and histamine intolerance. This is because the gases produced by the bacteria in the small intestine can cause damage to the gut lining, which then predisposes a person to any one of these conditions. Now I want to shift gears a bit and talk a little bit more about the symptoms associated with SIBO. But before I do that, I think it's important to note that there are three main types of SIBO based on the gases that the bacteria produce. So number one is hydrogen-dominant SIBO, which is the most common and accounts for about 80% of cases. The symptoms associated with this form of SIBO include bloating, gas, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. Number two is methane-dominant SIBO, and this is typically where we see more constipation than diarrhea, but still also see the bloating, belching, and abdominal pain. And lastly, there is the third type, which is hydrogen-sulfide SIBO. This type of SIBO is the least common of the three, but it is often associated with the mix of symptoms like nausea, smelly burps, and irregular bowel movements. Now, while these three types of SIBO have distinct characteristics, many patients have a combination of two or more types, and symptoms can really vary from person to person. So this is why testing is necessary for diagnosis. 
which I will go over in just a minute. But before that, I wanted to share some signs that you could look out for that are often correlated with people that have SIBO. So for one, if you overall just feel worse with prebiotics, probiotics, or fiber, this could be a sign of SIBO. Two, if your symptoms began after having a GI infection like food poisoning or Montezuma's revenge, particularly if it occurred after traveling abroad. Three, your symptoms have improved temporarily after taking a course of antibiotics for an unrelated problem. So for example, you had a sinus infection and took antibiotics for a week and your gut issues improved unexpectedly and temporarily. Four, if fiber makes your constipation worse instead of making it better. Five, you feel worse when you consume sugar alcohols like xylitol or erythritol. And six, if you have celiac disease but continue to have digestive symptoms even when on a gluten-free diet. If you experience any or all of these signs in addition to the chronic digestive upset, I would certainly look into testing for SIBO. Now let's review how a person can be diagnosed with SIBO. Testing for SIBO is done through a breath test. The test works by measuring the levels of hydrogen, methane, and or hydrogen sulfide gas produced by bacteria in the small intestine. On the day of the test, the patient will typically drink a solution containing a specific type of sugar, usually lactulose, that is not normally absorbed in the small intestine, but is instead fermented by those bacteria that we're trying to identify. As the bacteria ferment the sugar, they produce hydrogen, methane, or hydrogen sulfide gas, which is then absorbed into the bloodstream and exhaled through the lungs. It's important to note that most breath tests for SIBO only test for hydrogen-dominant and methane-dominant strains, and not the third type, which is hydrogen sulfide. However, there are signs a trained provider can look for in these tests that can point to a likely diagnosis of hydrogen sulfide SIBO. Now that we've discussed how SIBO is tested for, let's now go over how it's treated. Conventionally, SIBO is treated with antibiotics for a course of about two weeks. The most common type of antibiotic is rifaximin, but other types include neomycin and metronidazole. Now, sometimes use of antibiotics for SIBO treatment can be really effective, but I will say that I have personally treated patients that have been through multiple rounds of antibiotics and only found temporary relief and had their symptoms resurge in a matter of weeks or months. This is because even if the antibiotic is killing off that excess bacteria in the small intestine, there are still more steps after that that need to be done in order to heal the gut and prevent a relapse. And unfortunately, this is not emphasized enough in conventional treatment of SIBO. However, when you go see a naturopathic or functional medicine doctor, the approach is much more holistic in terms of treating the patient using several different avenues, such as diet, herbal antimicrobials, and nutrient support. We are very aware that in order to treat SIBO, we not only need to rebalance the bacteria in the small and large intestine, but we also need to consider what caused this to occur in the first place. And how can we address that root issue so we can avoid relapse or recurrence? With that said, let's discuss how a naturopathic or functional medicine doctor would approach treatment of SIBO. 
There are mainly two treatment pathways outside of using conventional antibiotics, and that is either the use of herbal antimicrobials along with dietary changes, or foregoing the antimicrobials altogether and doing a major dietary intervention using the elemental diet. So I'll talk about each of these options in a little bit more depth. First, we have herbal antimicrobials. And herbal antimicrobials are very similar to antibiotics, except we're using plants and their natural ability to kill bacteria to our advantage rather than using something that is lab-made. Some common herbal antimicrobials used for treatment of SIBO include golden seal and organ grape, as well as high-dose garlic, pomegranate, clove, and oregano oil. Now, I'm not here to argue that using herbal antimicrobials is better than conventional antibiotics, but generally, naturopathic doctors prefer the use of herbs since they usually cause less damage to the gut microbiome, and they can be well combined to address multiple issues at once. However, they do tend to be more costly since length of treatment is longer, and other factors such as allergies needs to be taken into consideration. Ultimately, the choice between using herbal or conventional treatment is up to the patient and the provider. Next on our approaches to treatment, we have diet. Now, regardless of which approach you are taking, there will always be dietary recommendations for SIBO. And this is because although it's not a cause in itself, a diet that is high in sugar and carbohydrates can promote the growth of bacteria in the small intestine and make it much more difficult to treat since this is ideal food for that overgrown bacteria. So at the very least, patients would be on a diet that really restricted these components during the treatment phase, not forever. And typically, these types of dietary recommendations are done in conjunction or along with taking herbal antimicrobials. Now, a more extreme, however, very effective approach to SIBO is to do an elemental diet. An elemental diet is a therapeutic dietary intervention designed to provide all the necessary nutrients for the body while allowing the digestive system to rest and heal. It consists of liquid formulas that contain pre-digested, easily absorbed nutrients such as amino acids, simple carbs, and fats. These formulas are typically consumed in place of solid food for a period of about two to three weeks. And the idea behind this is that by reducing the amount of solid food consumed, the digestive system is allowed to recover while still providing nutrients to the patient but starving out the bacteria. Another upside to doing an elemental diet is this is done alone without any other form of treatment. So no herbal antimicrobials or antibiotics are necessary. And even like that, it is still very effective. Some cons include that it isn't necessarily cheap in cost. And of course, you won't be eating solid food for a few weeks, which is a difficult thing to come to terms with in itself. Like I said before, this is an extreme approach, but I have seen incredible success with my patients who have implemented the elemental diet as a last resort. Many of them had already been through multiple rounds of conventional treatment with little to no success, so it was really great for them to finally try something that worked. 
So once we get to the point where we have now fixed the problem by getting rid of the overgrowth, we now need to assess and repair the damage that was caused and re-strengthen the digestive tract. And we do this by using things such as nutrient-rich herbs, probiotics, and other supplements that have anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. Typically, this is done by replenishing the microbiome with good bacteria using probiotics, since this will help to boost the overall wellness of your gut and keep things in line. We also need to be providing food for those good bacteria using prebiotics, which can be given via supplement or consumed via diet through high-fiber foods. And then, of course, I like to give my patients healing nutritives to help restore the strength of the digestive tract by reducing inflammation and increasing the integrity of the gut lining. This will usually include things like turmeric, which is a powerhouse anti-inflammatory herb, L-glutamine, which is an amino acid that helps to provide energy to the cells lining the gut so they can heal faster, and aloe vera, which is also very soothing and healing to damaged tissue. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list of everything that can be used in the treatment of SIBO, but it definitely covers the most common options. Next, let's talk about one of the most important steps when it comes to tackling SIBO identifying and addressing the underlying cause so we can prevent relapse. Now, this is a step that I think is missing in many cases of patients that go the conventional route. Since the treatment has been completed, most times they are feeling good and they just return to normal life and they don't give this whole SIBO issue a second thought. But this step is crucial in preventing a relapse. Now, it can be a complicated thing to do to investigate and truly figure out what caused what, but one of my favorite tools is to use the What Caused My SIBO questionnaire created by Dr. Nirala Jacoby, aka the SIBO doctor. You can get this questionnaire for free on her website, and also be sure to link it down in my show notes. This questionnaire really helps us narrow down whether the cause of SIBO was due to motility issues, a problem with digestion, an impairment of the digestive flow, or if it was use of certain medications. Now, this isn't a diagnostic tool, but it really can help the whole investigative process. And as much as I'd like to go over each individual cause and a way to address it, that in itself could be its own episode. So to keep it concise, here are a few strategies to help prevent SIBO from recurring. Number one would be to use antibiotics only when absolutely necessary and avoid them otherwise. There is a time and a place where use of antibiotics is a non-negotiable. However, I would say that majority of times they are not. Overuse of antibiotics not only increases your risk for SIBO, but it also can lead to the development of antibiotic-resistant strains of bacteria, which can lead to nasty, difficult-to-treat infections down the line. Number two would be to make sure that you are having a bowel movement every day. At the very least, I want every patient of mine to have a full, well-formed bowel movement daily, but preferably two to three times a day. This is ensuring that your motility is up to speed. If you remember, at the beginning of the episode, I talked about how slow motility can lead to a buildup of bacteria in the small intestine, instead of staying in the large intestine where it belongs. 
So whether you need to increase your fiber intake, increase your water intake, increase your daily physical movement, your goal should be to have a bowel movement every day. If you're really struggling, even with all of that implemented, you might want to talk to your provider about taking a prokinetic. A prokinetic is a medication or supplement that increases the motility of the digestive tract. It works by stimulating the muscles in the digestive tract to move food and waste through the system more quickly. Some examples of prokinetics include high-dose ginger, 5-HTP, and prescription medications like low-dose erythromycin. Number three would be to consume a well-rounded diet. If your diet is primarily coming from prepackaged sources like instant noodles, frozen pizzas, and pre-made desserts, this is certainly increasing your risk for SIBO. How? Well, all of these food options have high amounts of simple starches and sugars, which can help the bacteria thrive in an area where they shouldn't. But if your diet contains protein, fat, carbs, and fiber, then not only are you providing the necessary nutrients to keep your gut healthy and happy, but you're also going to be improving your gut motility. And number four, last but not least, you need to address your stress. People who are chronically stressed usually will have poor digestion. Poor digestion leads to poor nutrient absorption, which leaves your body weaker and unable to fight infections or overgrowth in the gut like it should. Now, whether this means creating an outlet for your stress, like journaling, or getting more in tune with your body via meditation, or even addressing past trauma with a therapist, do something to help manage your stress on a regular basis. This will not only help to prevent relapse of SIBO, but it will also improve your overall health. As a summary, in today's episode, we talked about everything there is to know about SIBO. We talked about what SIBO is, what causes SIBO treatment options, and ways to prevent relapse. I hope that you found this episode helpful. And if you have any questions or comments for me, I would love to hear from you. That brings us to the end of our show today. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you'll join me on the next one. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Gut Together with Dr. Ariola podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review wherever you listen. If you or someone you know is interested in working with me one-to-one to to get to the bottom of your gut health issues once and for all, find the link in my show notes to book a free 15-minute discovery call to see if we would be a good fit. And to catch all the latest from me, you can find me on TikTok at dr.ariola and on Instagram at ariola underscore naturopathic. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.